In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Transfiguration Sunday, and as such, it is the bridge between Epiphany and Lent. Epiphany is the season of light and revelation, and this is the kind of the high point, the climax of the season of Epiphany, because Jesus is shown in all of his glory and the bright light. And then after this, we, we kind of dip down a little bit into the season of Lent. We have Ash Wednesday on uh, this coming Wednesday. And the season of Lent is more of a somber, kind of um, spiritual stock-taking sort of season. Transfiguration. Jesus took the disciples up on a high mountain, and I'm pretty sure they had no idea what was going to happen up there. And while they were there, Jesus was transfigured in front of them. His face was glowing white, his robe was dazzling white. Uh, and then, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared. Moses, representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. And that means that Jesus was the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets, and in fact superseded the law and the prophets. So they were there, and Peter, as Andrea said, Peter couldn't get enough of this. He was saying, Lord, it is good that we are here. Let's, let's build three booths, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Let's just pitch tent and camp here and stay here, because this is really the kind of stuff that we've been waiting for all along. This is what we signed on for as disciples. This is, finally, we're getting to the glitz and glory part of the Messiah. We, you know, Jesus, we've seen you lowballing it all these months, talking about suffering and death and, you know, calling yourself the Son of Man. Instead of the Son of God, we can see you're the Son of God now. And, and, and now, finally, finally, we get to the good stuff. Okay, let's just stay here. Transfiguration is something that is, was very important for the disciples. Yes, it was important for them to get the idea that Jesus was the Son of God, not just the Son of Man. It was important for them because of what they were going to go through in the future. But it was also very important for Jesus. This is another stamp of approval by God. Just like at Jesus' baptism, God's big voice comes out and says, This is my Son, my Beloved. Listen to Him. And transfigurations are something that are apparently important to us, too. We have billion-dollar industries about transformations of one kind or another. There is the cosmetic industry, and I challenge you to watch television for two hours straight with the commercials and see if there aren't at least a half a dozen commercials about you know, getting rid of your crepey skin or your... Uh, uh, you know, your acne or your wrinkles on your forehead or something to be transformed. The bags under your eyes. Yeah, that's another one. And then there's the, uh, the health food industry. You have all the, the various foods that can be sent to your house and diet, and fitness and exercise. Get on your Peloton bike and be victorious. Uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of things to help with our transfigurations. You know, if I could just lose 30 pounds, get rid of the Buddha belly, then, then I would be okay. Or if I could, you know, get an augmentation or suck some fat out of my rear end and put it in my lips. Or, you know, then I could look like J-Lo. Uh, if I could get a butt lift or, you know, some, some kind of... Th then I would be okay. And we want to be transfigured. We want to be transformed. 
But all of these things are uh, basically attempts to cover up our shame, and they're pretty selfish. Jesus' transfiguration was not that. It was not for any selfish reasons. It was to strengthen him, to affirm him, so that he was going to sacrifice for us. It wasn't about selfish stuff. He was getting ready to do something for us. And his transfiguration was important for him as well as the disciples. It was a mountaintop experience for the disciples. Peter was still speaking and blabbering on and all of a sudden God's big voice came out and said, this is my son, my beloved, listen to him. And the disciples were knocked to the ground for fear. Then Jesus touched them and they got up. Mountaintop experiences are important. They're important for all of us. They're important because when we are on the mountaintop, we get a clear vision. And a vision is not the same as a hallucination like a LSD trip or being drunk. It's not the same as uh, you know, a fantasy of some kind. A vision means there is a moment when you can see clearly what's going on. There is a moment where you go, ah, okay, now I know what to do. Now I know what's important. Now I know what I have to do. They had a vision. Mountaintop experiences are important for us too. And, you know, it, a mountaintop experience might be when you're on an actual mountain and you look down over the valley and see God's creation. Or it might be when you're on a retreat and you're in the woods or in a cabin where it's quiet and you can meditate. A mountaintop experience might be when your kids put on a 25th wedding anniversary shindig for you and you hear people telling you how much they have appreciated you and how much they love you. Or it might be when you, um, you know, win, the, win the, the, the state regionals. Or it could be, oh, it could even be when a grandchild crawls up on your lap and says, I love you, Grandma. That's a mountaintop experience. Could be different things. But they're important. Because one of the things that the disciples found out is that Jesus, they wanted to stay on the mountain and pitch tent and stay there. And Jesus was like, no, no, we can't do that. And they immediately went down the mountain. And in the verses right after our gospel lesson, there is a um, man who comes up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, Lord, help me. My son is seized by a demon. What that meant in the ancient times was he has epilepsy. So he said he's, he's flopping in the fire and in the water and he's endangering himself. Help me. The disciples tried, but they couldn't do it. And so Jesus healed the man's son with epilepsy. And what it shows is that, you know, as nice as it is to be on the mountain and have those mountaintop experiences, that's not where we live. And that's not where we work. We work and live in the valley. And sometimes it's the valley of the shadow of death. And one of the things I've discovered in life is that it goes up and it goes down. And it goes up and it goes down. And you're never at that place where you go, ah, all right. You know, and, and you can look at your own life, depending on what age you are, and say, well, you know, when I was a kid, I just, I just wanted to be 16. And then I wanted to be 21. And then I wanted to be married and have kids. And, and then everything will be settled. And, and then I got kids. Well, then, I, then it's not so. And then... Uh, then, okay, now my parents are old and I've got to take care of them. And then I've got to take care of the grandkids. And now I'm old. No, you, know, it ne you never get to that point where you say, oh, I've, whew, life is smooth now. It's the mountain and the valley. And the mountain and the valley.
And this side of the grave, I, I hate to tell you this, but that's just the way it goes. We do live in a sinful and broken world. But what the mountaintop experience tells us is that that's not all there is. And that someday it's all going to be mountaintop experience. And that when we go through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death and the valley of all the other stuff we have to go through, one thing we can be certain of is the Lord will be there. He's not going to necessarily dip us out of our troubles, but He's going to be there to go through our troubles with us. So the transfiguration of our Lord gives us a glimpse. Just the curtains open a little bit. Oh, I see it. That's the glory that awaits us. And we have to trust in the Lord to be with us through the rest. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.